Hello, welcome to Christmas Actually with Luke Allen and Lara Collier, the podcast that takes a look at the Richard Curtis film Love Actually, one day at a time. It's Sunday the 24th of January, actually. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. And whilst 2021 brings many things already, it unfortunately brings availability issues. So I'm not joined by my co-host, Lara Collier, but I am joined by the wonderful Ellen Asprey. Why, thanks. (laughs) Uh, So Ellen, would you like to briefly tell everyone who you are? Um, I'm from Luke's film class. There's not really much else to say other than that, to be honest. We um, we seem to have an exact 50-50 on whether we agree on films or not. So yeah. you seemed an interesting person to bring on. And you <laughs> watched Love Actually for the first time today? Yeah, right? it was. It's for the first time. I didn't quite finish it, but okay. I managed to get the final sequence in, so it should be okay. What did you, what did you think overall? Um, I think it was quite a nice film to watch, but it's not one of the films that I would tend to no. go for. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think it's one of Richard's best, even though it's the one that most people know about, which is, yeah, but it's... Um, good actors, I, I good think, actors. Yeah, I think I said to you before, it's kind of exactly what you think it's going to be when you go in. Yes. I, don't, I, I doubt there were many ex- big surprises. Everything you expect to happen, happens. Mm. So. So, yeah, you're you're here for the very big, well, the, the, the end scene, which is kind of... It's a little OTT, but it's fine. I quite it's, liked it. I quite liked it. I liked it. it, but it's also kind of like um, at the end of a theatre show and they all come out and do their bows. It's it's basically the film equivalent of... Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree. <laughs> no, I particularly liked um, Liam Neeson. Yes. How do you say his name? Yes, at that's my favourite storyline. Oh, oh, I loved him. And what's what's the little child called? I've completely forgot, even uh, though it was like the, two the, minutes ago. The I character or the actor? Um, I think the character, but both. The character I is Sam, forgot. and he's played by Thomas Brody Sangster. That's it. He's so adorable. Mm. He's so adorable. And isn't it? weirdly, there's only a five year difference between him and Kira Knightley, which is really yeah. She was like seventeen or eighteen when they filmed this. <laughs> oh, she's just someone you wish you looked like. I think. I feel like everybody wants to look like her. <laughs> or or be with her before we get into the main gist of the episode and analyzing the scenes there is a little bit of good fun that i wanted to add to this final episode so it's myself up against beth and patrick the two hosts of a podcast called what is love actually doing a very similar thing to what we do and we're testing our love actually knowledge up against each other which of us which show knows love actually better so i'm going to play that quiz and then we'll jump back into Ellen and I analysing the final sequence of Love Action. And our two special guests for today, Beth Amon. Hello, thanks for having us. And Patrick Flynn. Hello, thanks for having us. I'll just say the same thing. Back <laughs> you said the exact same thing as me, Patrick. The normal appeal or charm of our show is to have two guests on who've never spoken before, but this one seemed like an opportunity too good to miss, which is the fact yeah, that's that something I... we we cannot say. We, we quite a bit, Beth and I. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, around the latter part of last year, I was suddenly scrolling through Instagram at hashtag Richard Curtis. And uh, I suddenly saw there was a podcast called What Is Love Actually? And I was like, hold up, these people are doing very similar to what I'm doing. So 
we got I got in touch and here we are. So Glad which, you it, know it, that the power of my social media posts has really, really <laughs> gotten us to this place. I am pleased. So yeah, would you like to say a bit about what your what your show is? Sure. Uh, so what uh, what is love actually takes uh, just as a it's very interesting. The shows are our shows are similar, but but take different approaches to this this mm. gargantuan movie. Whereas uh, you go minute by minute, we take the the ten disparate storylines of uh, Love Actually and examine them one at a time, and then in the at the in the last episode, we we as we say every episode, we take the movie apart and put it back together again to try to understand exactly what it is. And uh, yes, we've been all all the episodes, all twelve episodes. We have an intro episode where we talk a lot about Richard Curtis's career, and then. Uh, an episode where we watch the whole movie with two people who'd never seen it before, uh, which I count as the uh, Rufus uh, storyline for this movie. And then we do the nine main the actual storylines with plot. And then we, Beth and I, bring it all back together again uh, at the end. And it was fascinating to listen through. Like, I, oh, good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, it took me longer to get through because a lot of shows, podcasts I get through, I listen to to try and get to sleep. And I noticed that I just wanted to keep listening, which is great. Oh, um, so it was it, it, it became more of a, a dog walking podcast uh, than anything else. Oh, good. Um, good. Well, actually, be, but the bits before Christmas, because I think I listened to maybe the first five or six before Christmas. That was mm -hmm. before England hit lockdown. So I had my hour long journeys to and from college. Uh, ah. But then suddenly I realized I had less things to listen to podcasts while doing yeah um, i've noticed that my podcast consumption has definitely changed because i would listen when i'd be on the bus going to work every day and I, without that like hour-long commute time you're like when do i when do i yeah. actively listen to these things that i enjoy <laughs> yeah and then it was weird at other points where i actually do want to listen to a podcast i forget all of them and i'm just saying, like what do i need to catch up on and it's like <laughs> Because it's an issue in itself, being involved, especially in the Movie by Minute community. I try and listen to shows by most of the people who've guested on my shows, and that's a lot of podcasts. Lot of <laughs> most of them are going, so many most of them going daily. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it it's a it, it is a problem. You know, I I have this podcast with with Beth. I also have another podcast called The Original Cast about original cast albums, and I often have people on that show who have podcasts and yeah, you want to consume everybody's content because they're consuming yours. And it's just, it's so much, it's so, yeah. there's not enough hours in your life to listen to it all. It's incredible. So our, our aim with uh, today's episode is we're going to have a love actually knowledge off to see yes. who knows the film better. Uh, I do genuinely think there's a good chance that you guys are going to be because some of the questions that I've some of the questions I've because I was writing the questions thinking, OK, what questions could I write that aren't too cruel in this way? But essentially, you guys won't know. And then it was yeah. like, oh, no, this is. Yeah, um. <laughs> was, um, I, I was nothing but uh, it was it was nothing but hard for me to write the questions and think I, I, I just decided to do two that are, I think, hard and two that are easy and call it, call yeah. it a wash. That my mine were kind of similar. Um, and, I sent uh, the questions that I wrote immediately to Patrick, and he's like, "Aren't I? Aren't you supposed to give these questions to me? Yeah, Don't show these to me." Either. I was like, it's "Oh, like, can you check these and make sure they're good?" And I said, "Beth, I think I'm supposed to not know what questions you're asking." <laughs> and she said, "Oh, right. Sorry, no, no, I didn't read them. I was not to know them anyway." So Patrick Maybe, just we but can't I, accept I, his answers. I respect mine. the game, Beth. I respect the game. <laughs> I didn't um, pay attention to the rules. 
So there were so there were two questions that Beth sent me to ask Richard Curtis and Emma Freud yes. from yes. your show. Uh, so uh, so the first the, the questions I've got was does the four point five or the four and a half hour cut of the movie exist somewhere? Was the first one, um, which Emma just said, sadly not, but I wish it did. Uh, oh. that's, that's sad. Um, is, like, so I wonder I, if I they could to recreate it in some way. It has to exist. Well, I I would be yeah. satisfied because I think the reason I asked that question. And I've talked. I talk about this on on our show a little bit. It was just like I want to know what the the huge scope version of this movie looks like. Yes, I yeah. want to know what like what is it? What was the imat with all the subplots that got cut in those deleted scenes with like the little things with the teacher and the people in the poster? Like what? Where? What? How did it all fit together? How was it all supposed to be? And mm-hmm. I just want to know because I've we've seen this movie uh, you know many 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 times and I'm just I can yeah. see traces of it here and there, and I just want to know what the big vision for it was. So that's re- that's why I'd watch it. Mm-hmm. And now that we've talked about it so much, now that we've talked about it so much, I just want it to be a miniseries. I want to watch yes. the the special edition miniseries of it, have it Absolutely. be fully understood, and then move on happily. Yeah, I um. I I think annoyingly I didn't get around to reading it. I think somewhere online the original screenplay is there, but I had which might help. But I haven't got around to reading it because I I bought the script book thinking it was that, and the script book isn't even screenplay format. Yeah. It's clearly like it, a it written never after. is. It's just it's a basic dialogue novelization yeah. when they sell those things in the yeah in the story. It did. It was very uh, two of the questions I wrote for the quiz. I nicked from the quiz questions part of that because they are hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are, um, we did, oh I think I did. I think I did reword it slightly because we did do some of the questions back when I in our last episode of the show. Not that <laughs> Lara or me had any knowledge of what the answers were because I had to go back and I was like, I need to double check this answer's correct. Yes, because I, I think it was out of out of thirty six points. It says in the script book that like Richard Curtis only got like twenty four of them right. So that's <laughs> that 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 kind of says a lot. And I also I did the. Um, there was a comic relief released a love actually Christmas quiz over the Christmas season, which was like oh, the questions yeah. were being were being asked by like they just had videos of different cast members asking you questions. It was hosted by Martin McCutcheon. It was fun. Some of those oh, were I really did, really hard. Yeah, I didn't actually get to the quiz, but I did see that Martin McCutcheon was doing something. Yeah, I, I bought it on Boxing Day. I think some of them were really yeah. fascinating. It was like how many uh, it was like how many turtlenecks are in the film. Or like, how many times is the word <laughs> oh actually God. said? Um, Turtlenecks are a very large plot point of uh, Jamie point and Aurelia's life. Yeah. So it feels. But important. also Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson has sad tur- as Alexander Petrek also on our podcast. The sad turtlenecks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, so that was definitely an in, an interesting one. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, how many times was the word actually said in the film? I I I wish I remembered oh what that gosh. answer was because that would have been a really good question for this one. I oh think it was, was it like a lot, or was it a little? It was. It it's was old. in the twenties. Yeah, it's like an average amount, probably, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Know, how many um, times do you say "actually" in your normal life? Like, what's an well, average amount of the word "actually"? Ever since the um, the the straight white male thing of saying "actually" to somebody on the internet and trying to correct them became a thing, I have Ooh, tried to purge yeah. the word "actually" from my my vocabulary. Well, we didn't really help you with that with this. Not podcast, at all. Not did we? A, no, not at all. Yeah, not um, in any way. <laughs> I'm always very pleased to know how aware you are of the fact that you are a straight white man, Patrick. I appreciate it <laughs> so much. It's a conscious. It's a conscious thing, and we're just we're rolling with it. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. 
So now it's time for a Love Actually quiz off or whatever we call it. I'm sure there's a better name for that, but I haven't had the time I to like think of one. Um, yeah. We test uh, which Love Actually show has the greater Love Actually knowledge. Um, or which and... host can write better questions is also part <laughs> of the that test. That is also <laughs> a part of the test. Um, one of mine is very open and the rest of them are pretty hard. Uh, one of these I'm going to have to right. check again myself. But yeah, uh, so who, who wants to start with the questions? I think Beth should um, start. Yeah, I think mine will probably be the easiest. So I'll I'll warm you all up essentially. Um, how do we ring in? How are we? How are we? Uh... I'd like you to make. I'd like you to say the word actually. Um, Ooh, that's good. <laughs> okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that works. Okay. That that that's actually like that. yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question one. Or I can keep track of scores in editing and add like a, a bit sure. at the end. That's probably wins. a good. Yeah, that's probably a good bit. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so this is for Patrick and Luke. Question one. What city does Aurelia live in? Actually. Yes. It's, it's Marseille. Mm-hmm. It is Marseille, <laughs> which is confusing <laughs> yeah. because everyone speaks Portuguese, but they're in right. France. Well, the people the thing hangs out with speak Portuguese. Yeah, I always assumed <laughs> it was Portugal at the end until I listened to the show, and I was like, yep, no. oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, one point to you. <laughs> to you All right, um, there we go. Okay. Question two. Right. Question two. How many weeks does it take Sam to become an intermediate level drummer? Actually, it's mm-hmm. three, Luke. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is it three? It's not three. Uh, then it's the other one I'm thinking of. I was going to say that it's, that, it, that it's two, right? <laughs> it's not two. three, it's two. Yeah. It's two. You, oh. see the, you see the time code for um, two weeks to Christmas with Colin Firth typing. And then uh-huh. you considering our, considering our shows day by day, I really should have known that say, one. Yeah, I, I thought you'd have that. I, I thought, remember. Oh. I remember saying it was only two or three weeks, and then I just guessed the wrong of the two. <laughs> but it also, like it's two weeks, like tops, because you see the time code right. pop up for two weeks before Christmas, and then it's like several scenes before you see before uh, Sam drawing. say, "Like I'm going to become yeah. a rock star." Yeah, it could be ten days. Right. You never know. All right. Good thing. All right, question three. Speaking of our dear Sam, um, what's the age difference between Kira Knightley and Thomas Birdie Sangster at the actually, time of filming? Oh, yes, okay. Luke. Actually, um, it is, it was between, it, it was five mostly, but I, I've read it's four. I've heard it was she five, was according to what I saw. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, I heard that it was, yeah, I heard that it was, that Kira Knightley was 18, but then Scarlett Curtis posted something on uh, Richard Curtis's daughter posted something the other day about how Kira Knightley was 17. So, but yeah, five was the, the one I yeah knew. five accepted yeah yeah accepted. Gosh, she posted yeah Richard Curtis's daughter, who is also a big feminist activist, over Christmas seemed to really enjoy taking the mick out of Love Actually. Um, <laughs> great. So she posted a, she posted a picture of the wedding scene and just with the caption "End Child Marriage." <laughs> that's perfect and she and i think she posted something as well she was like i'd like to apologize for the sins of the father martin mccutcheon <sighs> is not fat and i was like oh, yeah good oh that's fun. i'm gonna follow her immediately on social media yeah, She's Scott, Scott is, right is yeah yeah oh my gosh i love her one of my questions oh. is actually could be about scarlet curtis maybe so Ooh, ooh, okay. Ooh. okay, all right. I'm looking right. forward to it. So, uh, right. what's, what's your next one? <laughs> Question one. four. All right. Um, this is a two-parter, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is Carl's job, and what does their company do? Oh, actually. 
that he's uh-huh. he's their enigmatic chief designer and yes, they, crazy. They, I was they raise money yeah. for people in Africa, some kind of nonprofit. I'm not about water, something about water. <laughs> yeah, because you got the actually, scene of the picture, haven't you? Yeah, I did know. Yeah. I can't remember. I really am uncertain as to what their company does. So I was going to crowdsource from you two to see. What <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a couple different episodes. And I, I ended up with like, it's wa- something with water, raising money for water. Oh. I had yeah. When, at the point you answered, I had the word designer and couldn't picture Alan Rickman's yeah. word before that. So there we go. Yeah. This is going worse well, for me than I thought. Right. Well, that's the see. This is the the difference between our shows because like I have the our episodes. I'll start with a little sound clip from the movie. Yes, and of so course, yeah. I edited that sound clip at the beginning of the Laura Linney episode. So I've heard him say enigmatic chief designer over and over and over again so i've got that that phrase is locked in my brain i'm really hoping that my my questions will be the one to balance out the the break so is that four and five that was well that was my four four, we can do five Um, all right the final one uh what reality show did joanna played by olivia olsen go on and lose after filming the backstory actually was -hmm. it american idol similar but no this was in the uk oh it was also oh i should know that oh can i go again or yeah Yeah, you can go again was was x factor was x factor i was choosing between two and i was just gonna hope you got it wrong and i'd get the other (laughs) one but yeah all right x factor yay everyone should i should i I go to my questions before yours? yeah sure sure yeah so uh i've my my first three i think are moderately easy uh the last two are basically impossible uh so okay. first one pretty simple where does natalie live actually the dodgy end of of you gotta uh, say the street whose name is oh crap <laughs> it's not the name of the street <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, remember, Patrick. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm laughing because she lives in Wandsworth, uh, the dodgy end, but she lives at either 98 or 102 Harris Street, which I only know because that was one of I my questions that. too. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> my question, one of my questions was, what is Mia's address? Oh, um, you tricky, tricky, tricky. Because it's the only one where you see the door number. Well, she's neighbors with the tiny children who like carols. Hmm. Now she's neighbors with she's neighbors with Natalie, so she is one. She's one hundred Harris Street. Is, is neighbors extend beyond just the house next to you, Patrick? They are all it's neighbors. True. Well, she all does say she does say she lives next door, doesn't she? She lives next she door. She does. Yeah. yeah. But you don't. I'm just see trying to weasel my way into a right answer. I scrolled to that moment in the movie and said, "Oh, it's one hundred. That's what it says on her door." But. I then thought, oh, great. My question will be, what's Natalie's address? But then they go to Natalie's address and there's a big wreath on the door. So I don't know if she's 102 or 98. They, I don't know which way he's going up and down the street. So that was why. Yeah. That's why I was okay. laughing so hard. Because that was... <laughs> so my, my next one is inspired by a round that was in the Love Actually Christmas quiz, which was to, to say how two characters can connect to each other in the shortest way possible. Um, oh. So connect David to Sarah. Connect David to Sarah as fast as you Sarah's can. Sarah's Laura Linney, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Sarah's Laura Actually, Linney. Um, Actually, David is, um, his sister is Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson was at the wedding with Laura Linney. 
That wasn't well, no. the one I have, but that I was going to be... say it's it's David is Alan Rickman's brother-in-law, and D Alan Rickman is Sarah's boss. Yeah, that's the, that's the one. That? That's the one I've got. Yeah. Yeah, but because yeah. Laura look, Emma Thompson wasn't at the wedding; she was at the funeral. She was at Liam Neeson's okay. funeral. Oh yeah, good point. That, but yeah, yeah. good work. Good work. Yeah, Laura Linney sat next I've to Colin for nine hundred times, and one would think I would have figured this out by now. <laughs> so, um, so number three is which airport features at the start and end of the film? Actually, Heathrow. Oh, I, yeah, it is. It is. Heathrow, I got something right. Which See, now, that's good quiz construction because I mean, when you said which airport, I immediately try to think, oh, what's the name of the airport Colin Firth flies out of? And you you deked on me. You went for the easier question. Yeah. That was good. I, well, <laughs> because because of these last two. That we're about okay. to get to. I yeah. had to rewrite my first three because I was like, I'm being too harsh. Um, <laughs> I'm so, now. I'm number now. four, what is Jamie's surname? Oh. <laughs> Can you tell me when it is said? I actually have no idea. It was in the Love Actually oh, quiz book man. thing I was reading. His surname <laughs> is Colin Firth. That is his surname. I don't know. That's, well, you're. Bikini yeah. turtleneck Colin Firth. Before yeah. I reveal the our answer, I would like to announce to our listeners that we do have our merchandise store now where you can buy the I Hate Uncle Jamie t shirts um, so and cute. laptop stickers. Oh, buy that, everyone. That as, sounds so good. Oh, as, well awesome. as, um, as well as just the general t shirt with our logo. Nice. I haven't bought either of them myself yet, which is an issue. But you can get them from our producer Robert's website, lemmingdrops.com, the, the Teespring or T public page is linked on there, I think. So, before, in case I forget to plug that at the there end, you go, there you go, go, listeners. And Jamie's surname is Bennett. Oh man, is Jamie Bennett? Now I have to know I'm where that it. is said, though. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, I'm gonna. I believe I'm... it said. I just. Couldn't... Yeah, though that's what. Wow. Got me. Okay. Is it like they say it like the Bennett brothers or something like that? Oh, maybe. Or maybe. Um. So the very last question is: mm -hmm. name one member of Richard Curtis's family who appear in the film and who they play. Scarlet, and she plays what? the first or the second lobster. I didn't answer actually, but I heard you say this on your podcast. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is, that is true. And I found it. I found it. That's funny. Uh, she's the she's the second lobster. Yeah. Right. Other acceptable answers are Jill Freud, his mother-in-law, is Pat the housekeeper. Um, in oh. David's story, Emma Freud, oh. his long-term girlfriend, is seen carrying a tree in the opening montage. His son, who I think is Jake, but I'm not certain, is the Spider-Man King at the uh, nativity scene. Uh, and yes, Scarlet is what a wonderful role. Yeah, nice. I only found out after I did the show that it was his son who does that because that's one of my favorite laughs. Oh, in the yeah, film. I oh, think yeah. it's so oh, such a big moment. Um, I, I, I found out where um, I found out where in the movie that we find out that Jamie's last name is Bennett. It is the. Oh, yeah. uh, the woman who brings Aurelia to his house calls him yes. Sir uh, Bennett, yeah, and that's why. Wow, that's a good one. That's a deep cut. That was a very good question. Yeah. Okay. I, the, well, the, to be honest, the reason I chose that was because we did the one of the, we did a love actually quiz in our finale, and no one had that right answer. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'll test that one mm -hmm. out. Um, I've only got four questions for my part now because okay. you guys took Slacker. one of mine. But, <laughs> no, no, because you took one of mine because the me as a dress was one of mine. So. All right, I'm going to do these in order. How am I going to do these? I'm just going to start at the top. Yes, I, I like Luke, have prepared uh, at least one question that is really, really hard. 
So in a completely um, different random interjection, I just realized uh-huh. I never gave you the answer to the second question you sent, Richard Nemmer. Oh, right. Oh. What was that? That's true. It was Shivergate. Shiver, tell me. Well, let me do my okay. hang on. Let me do my questions and then we'll then we'll talk about Shiffergate. Yeah, that, that'll be easy. Okay. Yeah, because I feel we are gonna have a Shiffergate discussion. So we'll be fine. All right. Uh so, okay. So first right. one, ready? Yeah. Hands on hands on <laughs> hands on buzzers. Uh <laughs> What, um, oops, hang on for a second. It's lost. Okay. What kind of pie is Juliet eating when she arrives at Mark's house? Actually. Oh, actually. Ah. That was Luke. Luke came in yeah. first. Spinoffy pie. It is. Yes. We had All to right. explain what Spinoffy pie was to some friends. It was. It was <laughs> it a good was explanation. All right. Second question. Where is Colin Frissel from? Actually. Oh. Go ahead. Oh, Go ahead, Luke. Hang on. Uh, Basildon. Azelton is correct. That's uh, a good one. Oh man! All right. I can hear it. I can hear it. Just pass it here. It is. This is your question. Unfortunately, these last two are harder. Um, <laughs> question three. This is my question. <laughs> question three: Which employee at the nonprofit where uh, Alan Rickman and and uh, Alan, Alan Rickman runs uh, fondles breasts at the Christmas party? Actually, is it? Kevin? It is Kevin. Yes. Very good, Luke. <laughs> I had to look that one up. That's good. I didn't know I knew that. That was just a <laughs> I was too I was too enraged by the concept that a woman had to defend yes. herself against yes. this assault to learn this man's name. It was it was as it was as soon as you as soon as you said which employee, I was instantly going, it's that question. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, good. Right. That's good. All right. And the last one. This one and this one was just is really just for me, which is unfortunate because I'm not able to answer it. But what is the name of the actor who plays Sam's uh, grandfather? What? Oh, he's the, he's the man from the Parent Trap, or he looks like the man from the Parent Trap. But in the actual film, we only see him at the funeral, right? Yeah, right. Uh, he's in a deleted scene. Deleted scene. Yeah. So I was one mm-hmm. curious because I made a big deal out of this actor. How much mm-hmm. this stuck? I remember you mentioning him on the show, but I don't remember what his name was. His name is Edward Hardwick, which is only important for people like me because he played Watson in the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series and is one of my favorite actors who doesn't get any (laughs) any recognition in the main. And I was first time I ever saw Love Actually, I was so excited to see him in the crowd at the funeral because I'm like, well, surely he'll be back. And obviously he was, and they just deleted the scene. So that made me. So that Maybe he's it. not the grandfather in the parent trap. Maybe he just no, looks he's like not him. The grandfather. He does look like him, but he is not the grandfather in the parent trap. When you trap. Google him, the first of. thing you get is, is Edward Hardwick still alive? And that is, he is not. Yeah, it, is, yeah. it is not. Um, so, Shiffergate. Uh, Shiffergate, yeah. Uh, so, to those of you who don't listen to the What is Love Actually podcast, uh, they have an ongoing debate between Patrick and Beth as to whether the joke of Claudia Schiffer appearing as Carol at the end of the film works or doesn't work and how kind of strange it is overall. So decided to ask Richard and Emma. The question was, what was the intended joke with Carol and Claudia mm-hmm. Schiffer? Um, mm-hmm. And she just said it was always going to be based on, uh, sorry, played by and based on whichever superstar we could convince to play the part. Ah, Okay. So, so if it, it had been wasn't Cindy an... Crawford, it would, if they'd gotten Cindy Crawford, it would have been Cindy Crawford. If they'd gotten... 
yeah some yeah some famous so everything actress. we see about the fact that like it was the original joke was supposed to be someone that looks like sad supermodel is wrong it was always meant yeah, to be yeah. that's what i thought like because i'm sure sense. i'd read that somewhere else but i i yeah. don't i to, to, to give my uh my yeah, Luke, tell us your take First of all, as a child of 2004, I had no idea who Claudia Schiffer was. Um, but <laughs> when I realized that that's what it was, it, my response literally, oh, that's kind of funny. And then I carried on. <laughs> that is, we were on the, the Talking Hugh Grant podcast uh, of people, I think cl- not, not quite your age, but, but certainly closer to your age than mine. And that was their reaction as well. They didn't know Claudia Schiffer was an extant person. They didn't understand what that was. And when they found out what it was, they went, Oh, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. I think the only reason why it bothers me so much is because we've talked about it so much, and therefore I felt the like need to take a strong stance on it. But yeah, but I, I just don't, don't think it's a funny joke. I don't, but I don't feel it's any different to if you're watching a biographical film and then the mm-hmm. real person appearing in, as a cameo in that. I don't think it's any different to that sort of gag where you go, oh, there's Tommy Wiseau in his scene in um, The Disaster Artist or. There's James Bowen cameoing in Street Cat Named Bob, um, which is a great movie. But, are they cameoing uh, as someone different, or are they just? Uh, it's often someone different. You don't, we're, we're not going to relitigate this. If everyone wants to hear our, our you got to listen to all the episodes of our podcast. <laughs> I'm like, too. I'll go in deep. I'm ready. I'm ready to defend all my right. stand. Funny thing about this whole discussion to me, it's always the fact that Beth is ready to fight about it whenever, wherever <laughs> it is. And I'm just like, I'm so tired of talking. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, it's so interesting. It's just an interesting exercise to me. And Beth is it's just, just ready who I to, am. I can't let go. Slow down. She's ready. She's ready. Just hit her. She's ready. I am um, because the whole supermodel era was literally like before my time. Mm-hmm. It's such kind of interesting the focus that Richard Curtis's films put on it at times. You've got Claudia Schiffer here. There's a big thing about Kate Moss in About Time. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you can watch it and understand, oh, that must be a supermodel. But I, as someone, once again, who wasn't in the Kate Moss era to really know who Kate Moss was. It, it, yeah. it, was, kind, it was kind of a weird thing to be like, these people, there are multiple scenes where they're just talking about Kate Moss. Is she that significant? Like, it was quite a strange Yeah, yeah it That's is an interesting real, point of view. Yeah, like pop culture... Because even like the supermodel era, probably like Luke, I'm 13 years older than you, which is a horrifying statement. But like I, even the supermodel trend kind of passed me. Uh, and like my connection to like, oh, this is a supermodel was like America's Next Top Model, Tyra Banks kind of show, not necessarily like knowing, oh my gosh, Kate Moss, she's so cool. Oh my gosh, these like Cindy Crawford, Claudia Schiffer, they were at that yeah. point kind of trending downward, I guess. And yeah. it was really sort of like for me, it's also like explicitly tied to the um uh what is it called? The sports illustrated swimsuit issue, which of course isn't really a thing mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. It's a really interesting moment in history where these 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 women were everywhere and talked about endlessly and famous. Yeah, I for guess whilst it's still were. present in like Instagram comments, the concept mm-hmm. of essentially men well and women, but let's say straight men publicly oogling is weird to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the concepts, yes. even, in, even <laughs> in about time where there's the scene where they go to the Kate Moss gallery, like the concept mm-hmm. of, I 
couldn't imagine just being comfortable just going around to just look at pictures of Kate Moss in various states of undress and be like, oh, here's art. Right. It's and like, yeah, it, that scene is strange to me too. As we're talking about it, it also occurs to me that it did really culturally shift from the supermodel era to very frank discussions about eating disorders. And yeah, that good, in a good way, just I think killed the supermodel era of it. Like, yeah, when it became apparent that this sort of thing mm -hmm. was damaging it supermodels themselves moved on to other things and they're so they, they personally didn't i don't think they i think they dwindled a normal amount i don't think any supermodel ever bore the brunt of that yeah. i think the companies that promoted them bore the brunt of but yeah it's, it's funny that i i because it's really as someone who was like the oldest person in the room uh and lived through it actively i i didn't i didn't even really think of it that way but you're right it is like it's an era it's a it's a a section of time and if you didn't live through it, it does. I can imagine how it just seems super weird. Say your plugs, I guess. Where, where, where what can people? Where can people find both of you? Um, yeah, you can. You can find us on social media at Love Actually Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, what is Love Actually? All thirteen episodes are available now wherever you get podcasts. And we'll we don't know what in hmm. the future. We will be yeah. back in the future. We don't exactly know what yet, but we're we're figuring that out. And uh, you can follow Beth at Beth Amon thirteen, and, and you, you can, can follow Patrick at Unknown Penguin. Hey, you got to pick up the cues, Beth. Come on, this sort of you, I, I you gave know. this about all of the actual podcast social. I thought you were doing our personal bits. <laughs> um, <laughs> Luke, we tried to record our last episode, and I Patrick's like, "All right, start like the give the, intro, the intro," and I read something completely different. He goes, "What yeah. are you doing?" I was really? like, "I don't know." Old draft we hadn't done in a year, but it's you know you get rusty, you get rusty. I pretty did fast. it with such vigor, though. Um, but thank you, Luke, so much for yeah, inviting us on and scheduling this. This is because you're right; it's just so hilarious that our two podcasts got going at the same time. It's so good to be a part of yours. Um, and yeah, it's just fun. And uh, but yeah, thanks, thanks so much. Um, I'll you let yeah, you know when this is out. It's been good and good fun to. To, to especially the latter part of listening to your show, knowing you guys were coming on, it was kind of a nice. Okay, I need to prepare what stuff to. Yeah, and, and yeah. if Patrick, you end up watching about time, let me know. I'd love to hear your I will thoughts. Let you know. Yes, absolutely. I definitely will. I have no idea when, but I will definitely. The, la the latter part of the film is like someone's prodding you with a stick, saying, "Are you crying yet?" But it works. <laughs> yeah, um, it worked. I cried. It worked. I I know it line for line, and I still cry at multiple points in the film. <laughs> I cry knowing it's coming. Hello, Richard Curtis here, and I'm very delighted to announce the winners of the Christmas Actually Quiz Off. In second, or last place, uh, with two points, is Beth Aman. Really brilliant effort there, Beth. And tied in the lead with an astonishing five points is Patrick, five points Flynn, and Luke, four points plus one, Alan. And now we head back to Luke and Ellen to talk about the rest of the film. What an amazing, what an amazing achievement by those two guys, incredible. We open this, this sequence with Joe and Billy, which is, I think, one of the only, I think the only love story in the film that's about the love of friendship. Um, and it's just Joe says hello Daisy and Billy says this one's Greta 
hello Greta and that's 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 kind of what we get just Billy kind of back with the girls in his normal life but maybe a little more appreciation for Joe this time uh, what did you think of of Billy Mac and Bill Nye <laughs> he was funny I think at the very beginning I really liked him at the beginning hmm. I thought I don't know I just thought that was quite entertaining and quite I don't know I wanted to carry on watching it through that Bill Bill Nye just kind of is Bill Nye in everything he's in. There's just <laughs> there's just yeah. even though the characters weirdly are so different, they all just feel like that's who Bill Nye is. It's um but I think we talked before when I forced you through about time that he just seems the sort of person I'd just love to meet and work with and He just seemed like quite a fun person to be around and he seems quite mm. genuine and I think just working with him would be really interesting. Yeah. I and I've I have heard that most British people at some point in their life end up meeting Bill Nye, so gotta wait well, for the Bill Nye moment. I, I'm hoping for that. Fingers crossed. Um and then we have uh, Jamie and Aurelia. Well, here she is. This is Aurelia. And he introduces them to Peter and Juliet, which are Kieran Knightley and Chiwetelegia for. Um and he says and Mark is there for some reason. I'm not quite sure. It's a little weird considering his love for Juliet that they just carry drag him around with them to the airport. I know for that some that was a little bit awkward. I uh, mm. I don't know what to think about their relationship. I just th- I think we needed to see more of Peter and Juliet. I think so too. Because the the central romance of that story is Mark and Juliet. And whilst especially in analyzing it, I've had a lot of respect for the fact that he doesn't express it until she kind of until he has to in a way until something clicks and he's like i might as well but yeah it's it's strange i think if anyone except andrew lincoln was playing that part it would be way creepier Um, i just think we should have had a bit of a better connection between juliet and her boyfriend yeah because we had nothing and it was kind of Kind of just it made you feel like why isn't she with um what's yeah name? we needed to know yeah we need to know why she loves Peter because there's yes, nothing exactly there I, I I do like seeing everyone together but there's just something it just it feels a little too Hollywood but I quite I liked guess, it I yeah. did quite like it I thought it kind of brought it all together just to finish it because I think if they didn't then it just would have carried on and you could have mm. gone on and on yeah. Um, in fact, someone who's not in this sequence, what did you think of Rowan Atkinson? I thought, I said, I don't see the point. I didn't see the point. He was just kind of shoved in there. Mm-hmm. Well, in the original script, which was then cut out, he was supposed to be revealed to be a guardian angel. Which, really? Yeah. Which <laughs> what? kind of makes sense, but is also kind of like, yeah, that would have been too much. <laughs> I mean, Ant and Dec were in there as well at some point. And they haven't aged in twenty years, which is no, a they bit haven't. Weird. They haven't changed. <laughs> exact same people. <laughs> that that was yeah, that was a bit of. But I, what I liked about that with Billy Mac's storyline is you actually kind of see him progressing. So first he's like on local radio, then he's Anton Deck, and then he's on Parkinson, which admittedly, like, I'm pretty sure doesn't exist anymore. Mm. But it's kind of like you you see him kind of level up the stages of fame, and I like that. But there, there is some weird things among the celebrity cameos and celebrities playing themselves in this film. Uh, the main one being the... Uh, you probably didn't notice, because I didn't notice until very recently. Uh, the woman that Liam Neeson ends up with at the end of the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That she is played by Claudia Schiffer, the model he keeps talking about for the whole film. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, didn't I didn't notice that. I didn't realise it until 
fairly recently around the point where I was looking at the cast and I was like, hold up. And there's there's been much debate among the fans of this as to like what that means for the film, for Claudia Schiffer to exist in the universe and for someone who looks identical to Claudia Schiffer to exist in the universe. Hmm. So yeah, uh, Aurelia says, Jamie's friends are so good looking. He never tells me this. I think maybe now I've made the wrong choice, picked wrong Englishman. And Jamie says she can't speak English properly. She doesn't even know what she's saying. <laughs> I was like, I quite liked that. That that felt like real life banter. Yeah, no, I think... Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really... It's not something you really notice that quickly. I think maybe you can just look past that and not really acknowledge it. What did you think fine. of Jamie and Aurelia's story? Because some people find it quite problematic in itself. Um, I just... I, uh, it was just... I, it wouldn't work. In real life, would it work? No. It's the it fact wouldn't. that it's a proposal at the end, when they can't speak a word to each other. It's I know. like, let's spend the rest of our lives together. Let's marry each other, even though we can't speak to each other. Yeah, it's just... It, 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 yeah, realistically, it wouldn't work, I don't think. I think a lot of these stories work a lot better in the short form, where we don't have to think about them too much. Yeah, no, 100%. When you tear it apart, like we have. So, yeah, so we've got Jamie and Aurelia, and then we've got... Uh, says Daisy who's Daisy oh yeah Daisy see I've done this show I still don't know who half these people are <laughs> Daisy is one of the so this is yeah we've got Anna, Anna Rickman and Emma Thompson's story so, so he comes back and is dad dad did you get us any presents as a matter of fact I did thanks dad how are you and then Karen his wife says I'm fine I'm fine good to have you back come on home what did you think of Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson's storyline uh, so sad <laughs> it was it was kind of upsetting I mean I just don't understand what he was trying to achieve. Like, he had a family. And, I mean, I guess that's probably what happens to a lot of families. Um, but it's just a shame. Because they're just... I, I don't know. They could have worked. I felt like they... If they... Yeah. I like that we don't know what happens to them in the end. I think that's quite... We don't know whether they kind mm. of see past it. We don't know how far he got with Mia which is better there have, it's, there's been discussions behind the scenes about it but that's not what we see in the end film um we don't and i and i think the whole storyline is worth it for that scene of emma thompson crying in her bedroom with the Joni mitchell seed i no i like that bit that was no actually i shouldn't say that because it was a bit sad but the way she opened it and was expecting the necklace as well mm yeah and what what i found interesting and it took me ages to figure out is why there's still a tiny bit of us who still likes alan rickman when we know he's having an affair Be it's just i'm assuming harry yeah I, I was gonna say i just wanted to check that you did and it doesn't just make me suddenly sound like a horrible person for liking no. it. but um the way that i saw it is at the very start of the film when we have the introduction to all the different characters and all their stories um, and kind of, you know, that pretty much every character is going to be in some story about love because it's called Love Actually. And that's what the film's about. Yeah. And we see Harry flirting with Mia before we find out he's married. So yeah. I think subliminally, there's kind of some connection that wants you to see Harry and Mia work it out whilst you still want to Harry and Karen. Yeah, perhaps it was that beginning bit that kind of made you think like, OK, they could work better, probably. And then then you found out they were married. I don't even think I found out they were married until near the, near the end, pretty much. Yeah, it's so it's quite late in that that kind of becomes... Yeah, it's it's strange. And uh, the one thing is, with Mia, every time she's on screen, I do want to punch her face. Hmm. Like, hmm. it's just... The fact that her only characteristic is to just kind of break up a family is a bit... 
I know. Uh, Sam and Joanna, which is the the story that we've talked about with Liam Neeson and uh, Thomas Brody Sangster, which I think is easily the best bit of the film. I loved I it. Think it's, it was my favorite yeah. bit. Yeah, hundred percent. I just loved the way like the characters like kind of mingled together. It just it just worked. It was funny and sweet. So <laughs> I I got very bored a few weeks back and. I edited their entire story out of the film and no. turned it into its own short film. No. And it's probably one of the only that. stories that stands on its own. Oh, really? Um, like, it does. there aren't too many ties to the other stuff. It kind of, it just works really well. In a way, it works better because the, the way that time works in this film means that Liam Neeson is literally out with Claudia Schiffer five weeks after his wife's funeral. Hmm. It's a little soon <laughs> i think i think liam neeson gives one of the best performances in the film like i i truly believe in him and sam's relationship oh I, 100%. I truly, it's yeah. it's just adorable and the, at the, the end when he goes he should have kissed her oh, oh so sweet which so is literally sweet. right we're here so yeah you should have kissed her no that's cool says carol slash claudia schiffer <laughs> um and yeah and then we move on to tony uh who bumps into Jack and Judy, Martin Freeman and Joanna Page, which I imagine their storyline was a bit of a shock. Oh, the beginning was a bit... I was like, oh, what is going on? <laughs> no, but I quite... No, I think theirs worked quite nicely. They're actually the healthiest relationship in the film, <laughs> we figured out, because they're co-workers and not, like, someone's boss. <laughs> it was a... I don't know. I felt like it was kind of... a a right connection like it was a good connection yeah. between them both because so, i mean i mean they've done all that together on camera it would make it would like for no deeper connection wouldn't make much sense but it, it it's it's quite interesting that that's kind of a job that no one really thinks about which is the people who have to do the stand-ins for the sex scenes in hollywood movies like it's i kind of like that it must be in hard a way. i yeah. think i'd find it very awkward mm. I, I really like their performances, despite the fact it's a little weird to see Martin Freeman and Joanna Page, uh, rather than unknown. It's like, hold up, yeah. it's John Watson and Stacey, um, which is, yeah. Yeah, especially especially when you've seen um, him in Nativity. Oh, yes. Just, it doesn't... Oh. What I find interesting about the Nativity <laughs> films, actually, is technically, like, David Tennant being Martin Freeman's replacement in the second film... Joanna Page plays David Tennant's wife, so they've both been in the Nativity franchise. I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> Very, I don't know. I don't, it's a bit weird seeing them like in them positions. Mm. Yeah. I, th um, I think. So Richard Curtis was told by the studios um, regarding this story. They said, we'll probably make like a few million more if you cut that storyline. And he was <laughs> just like, no, I want to keep it. And they let him. Uh, so <laughs> that's that. Did, did it work? Um, I, I mean, I think a lot of people like the storyline, but it's disconnected enough that you can cut it out in the TV edits without kind of losing anything. Mm. Yeah. Do you think they would have got more money, though, from it? Uh, probably, but the film's hardly been a struggle. Um, no, <laughs> I, I was going to say. I think it's done pretty successfully. And maybe in the long term, in the increased popularity of Martin Freeman, it might have made the film more popular. I don't know. And then we meet Colin, uh, who is Chris Marshall, who went off to America to hook up with all the American girls and <laughs> for some reason succeeded. What did you think of that storyline? Because I think people have problems with it and I see the problems, but also I find it really fun. <laughs> it, was, it was comical, but 
Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit wrong in a few mm. ways. I think yeah, it just made them seem so easy. Yeah, oh, definitely. But I think the comedy lies in the fact that you expect him to fail. Like, it's yeah. not like they're kind of glorifying it as to like, oh, obviously. The fact that they've got Chris Marshall, it's kind of like, you expect he's going to fail. So the fact that even it surprises him how well it goes, I think is what makes it quite funny. It kind of reminds me of American Pie, just that yes. section. I feel like you could put insert like them clips into American Pie and it would flow. But it was something we were saying, actually, where it's like the creepy things that Colin says somehow come off slightly charming. Whereas if you got Sean William Scott, who was Stifler in American Pie, to say the <laughs> same lines, yeah, true. it would be so creepy. Yeah, it would be creepy. So I, think I don't it's just... quite get why it's charming with Chris Marshall. <laughs> but Stifler in American Pie, he's he's so forward and just crude a little bit. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. I think at the beginning, at the beginning, when you are first introduced to him, you're like, okay, he's going to go to America and he's going to do, he's going to succeed. <laughs> Just because his friend said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the link to American Pie, he introduces Harriet, who was played by Shannon Elizabeth, who was Nadia, uh, Nadia in American Pie. A oh, lot really? of other things. And I find oh. it so interesting that Richard Kurt could just bring her in for a one-line cameo here. <laughs> um, he says, Yahoo, this is Carriot. Carriot? Hang on, let's go again. <laughs> Yahoo, this is Harriet. Harriet, hi, pleased to meet you. Um, uh, hello, Harriet. And yeah, and then she says, in what is, considering she is American, in what feels like a very fake American accent, she says, I hope you don't mind. I sort of brought my sister to stay. This is you Carla. Couldn't have She's you couldn't have said friendly. that in a more ma- masculine way. <laughs> And she says, hello, you must be Tony. I heard you were gorgeous. And she kisses him straight away. Because uh, that's how the these lips. American women are for some reason. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> apparently, the actor who plays Tony, this was his first day on set. So he was pretty happy with uh, what he had to do on his uh, first yeah, day. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't blame him. <laughs> nah, he was quite, that was quite funny. What I find interesting is what are essentially like the two weakest storylines in the film, I think, being this one and the one with Martin Freeman. Tony is the only thing that connects those two to each other and to like the rest of the film. Which yeah. It's like, so it means that it would have been so easy to cut. And clearly a lot of it has been cut because the original edit for Love Actually was four and a half hours long. Oh, and really? That is nowhere to be found, unfortunately. Oh. It's a shame. There were two deleted storylines. Um, there were like loads of deleted scenes. Some of the deleted scenes are available, but only about half an hour of them. But yeah. As you can tell, I'm not um, a big rom-com fan, fan so uh, so knowing all this isn't really what I'm good at. <laughs> it's fine. Well, let's well let's 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 go on to that then. Let's talk about rom-coms in general. Oh, okay. Uh, because I think I'd like to say for the most part that it's only Richard Curtis rom-coms I go for, with the occasional exception, because I don't like kind of, of the cheesy American ones. Uh, admittedly, this is very cheesy, but I don't like the. I, mm, I can be in a mood for him, but I think for genuine proper enjoyment, only Richard Curtis rom-coms work. And clearly, love Rosie. After you showed that to me, because well, I have not stopped thinking about that. I love that film. <laughs> like since it's it's the thing is, I think it's because you connect so well to certain characters, mm. and Lily Collins in Love Rosie. I just I don't know what it is. I just have loads of feelings, and it's just sad <laughs> and happy. And also, I, <laughs> I had. It's it's kind of weird because I thought I was pretty familiar with Lily Collins. It wasn't until I was watching interviews that I had no idea she was American. Oh, really? Yeah, like, 
I, it, I was kind of so the accent that she did is brilliant mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> to be honest it's kind of like uh, Renee Zellweger with Bridget Jones I kind of thought she was British until I realised because I'm apparently awful at recognising when Americans are <laughs> in British See, movies I'm not a fan of Bridget Jones am I allowed to say that? probably not I <laughs> agree I it's the one Richard Curtis movie that does not work for me at all we shouldn't be saying that <laughs> Um, but I don't think Love Rosie would exist without the book of Bridget Jones. I think the the actual format and what Bridget Jones as a symbol did for feminism and uh, mm. female writing is massive. I didn't realise this until very recently. There was a documentary on BBC over Christmas about how Bridget Jones kind of influenced society and feminist attitudes and stuff and... So I respect it for that, but as a as a film, no, it doesn't work for me. It drags a bit too much. Mm-hmm. I know, I agree. And I think, was it the recent one? Because there's quite a few, isn't there? There's three. There's yeah. three. See, I, I, oh, see, look, I can't, I couldn't tell you what happened in either. The second one is my favourite. The first one doesn't work for me at all. And the third one isn't written by Richard Curtis and is in fact written by Emma Thompson. Oh, okay. Well... I don't know what to you say. Can, you're allowed to give an opinion. This is, I was, I was fully prepared for you to just hate on this film the whole time. We're good. It's. No, I was actually expecting to hate this film, to be honest. Um, but I surprisingly what like didn't hate it that much. It's definitely a film that I probably wouldn't watch again. Maybe. I think also it possibly is slightly more effective when watching it at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Here. I was actually going to say that, but. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't end up okay, so the reason the reason we're here now is that so the you, I think I told you so the format of the show is day by day. So every scene we released the episode talking about it on the day to coincide with that. But this scene is one month later, so that's why we're here in January. It's the only scene in the film to take place in January. But it does mean that we would potentially qualify for this year's Move Our Minutes Awards because we'll have one episode out this year. And it, I'll be in it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so you probably won't so I, win it. I'm sorry, but host. So the host duo. I don't know how this works. I'll have to ask whoever runs the awards. I just edited them. If for some reason we were nominated for host duo, you're the person who's co-hosting with me for this one episode. So would that mean that you'd get? The, the I would take it. I would take it, but I, I don't. Think it means would... literally nothing, but it's a thing, and uh, I would have. It to means check something. That it means team. something. So Denise Richards plays Carla. And I have no idea what she's been in, but I know that's a name I've heard of. I think she was in one of the Bond movies. I'm going to have to check. I should have checked. You can see I've got my notes. It's just for some reason I wrote Denise Richards and thought that would be enough and that I, I would suddenly you do, know who though. she is. You think that. like You write down notes and you're like, okay, I'll remember this. I'll remember what I mean. And then you go back and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, so she played Christmas Jones in The World Is Not Enough. She was in Wild Things and Starship Troopers. Uh, I've seen The World Is Not Enough. I've, I've not seen Wild seen, Things or Starship I've, yeah, Troopers. I've, I've never seen that either. I'm kind of indifferent on the Bond movies, but I do like the Piers Brosnan Bond movies. So I've never had a click with them. Um, I could, I think whenever I sat down, I've started watching them and I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to force myself to enjoy it. But it's just, I can't do it. I can't enjoy them. <laughs> I've I've been intending to watch through all of them several times and I just don't. I think we talked about this before, the kind of concept of let's watch through a franchise. But there's when there's so many films in the franchise, you tend to give up about two films in. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, although I quite like franchises, I like the ending of some of them. 
because they just end on cliffhangers and it's like okay yeah. okay i'm ready for the next one now instead of just finishing because I, it kind of annoys me when they just finish just like that it's like oh yeah, there's, there's more there, like when you've got films there's only a few i can think of but when you've got films where you can see they were trying to set up a franchise but just didn't do well enough to get a sequel it's yeah it's painful but then it was like david finch's seven that ended completely nothing happened at the end well it did obviously but at the end you had no finish and i, I quite liked that in that even though there wasn't a sequel I did like that. <laughs> Seven is one of those... I feel like so many films you've said, I've said this, is one of those which I've absorbed so much in pop culture that I don't know how much of it I've actually seen. Like, I know it pretty much everything really? that happens. But I've got the DVD. I know most of the scenes, but it's like, I don't know if I've actually sat down and watched it. Um, but I know I need to. Uh, no, I watched it with my friends and it was it was good. I was a bit annoyed at the end. Having had What's in the Box spoiled for me, it's, it's sad. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Although at the end, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know what was in the box. It it took me a, a two minutes to uh, click to that. Maybe that was just me being a bit slow, but. <laughs> but then, yeah, knowing the ending or the end twist of a film doesn't always ruin it. Hence, when you introduced me to Sixth, Sixth Sense, because yeah. I because I avoided it so much, being like, uh, Bruce Willis is a ghost the whole time. I mm. think I think we can say that. I think it's one of the oh, most just, known spoilers. Hopefully, no like one's say that, like yeah. everyone's seen uh, it. That's watching this. <laughs> Or listening, uh, I mean. But but actually, the point of what I'm saying is the fact that it doesn't really matter that you know that because it's it's how you get from point A to point B that's important. Yeah. Um, and I did not expect The Sixth Sense to be such an emo- emotional roller coaster as it is. Mm. So then we see the Prime Minister and Natalie. Uh, what the, I think that they're considered to be possibly the most problematic of the storylines. How did you find the Prime Minister, David and Natalie? Wait, how was it? How is it problematic to you? Just kind of the power play between them the fact of first of all he has her i'm I'm in two minds about it because first of all he has her um it's not fired but essentially like he has her removed and redistributed i think was the term so it's almost like he's he's suggested there's, there's two like there's two ways of viewing this yes i keep interrupting myself um it's almost like he what one bit is is him kind of male privilege if she's an attractive woman, she distracts me, so I'm moving her somewhere else. But the other part of it could be, I like her, but I'm in a position of power over her as her boss that I don't want that. So there's the good side and the bad side, but I think I think it's just the power play that people find uncomfortable. And the weird amount of fat shaming about her weight. Oh, at, with the family? Yeah, there's about yeah. four or five lines dotted out around the film about Natalie just being overweight, and it's so strange. We've even got one in a moment, he... He, he comes out, picks her up and says, oh, you weigh a lot. And she says, shut your face. And that's the last line of the film. And it's like, oh, come on, Richard. 2003, I know, but still. <laughs> that Yeah, that's weird. Because, I mean, huh, I feel like it's very touchy now with body shaming and things. But then when it came out, it probably wasn't as bad. Um, I feel like people would have just looked past it. But now, as you're analysing it, it's probably something that's kind of you shouldn't be saying that. that is I think so it's wrong. this point that makes it worst. Uh, other points, it's kind of fine because they're not particularly likable people who are saying the comments. But when David, the Prime Minister, is saying it to her, like in their love, the, the final line is him saying about how she's overweight. It's just, uh, yeah, it annoys me just a bit. Oh yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. Hmm. I didn't. What was he saying about her, Natalie? Yeah, that 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 bit was strange. I. 
don't like it. The only purpose it served for me was it it made David and Natalie's relationship feel more real and appropriate because it showed you how power could be misused. Yes, and I think uh, I think it also kind of it's just rich people control and I I didn't didn't click. I didn't like that bit. But then also like you said about the weight gain, um the weight gain, the weight section of like the film, it kind of draws that even a little bit. God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, of course, has been playing over this entire sequence, which I of think course. is one of the greatest songs of all time. <laughs> um, I wouldn't agree, but it's, it's a good song. It's a good song. It's happy. It draws it to an end in a nice, nice way. So, so what do you think of the shots we then get of all the different people, like, hugging in the airports and stuff? I like that. that kind of, it kind of links back to the beginning, doesn't it? Hmm. And it's all real footage. Uh, yeah, they, I saw they that. went into uh, they went into an airport, literally filmed people meeting, and then sent a runner down to get them to all sign forms to agree. So these people at these moments don't know they're being filmed, and I think that's lovely. Um, it's Richard Curtis's favorite bit in the whole film, Love and his girlfriend is all Emma around. edited. Yeah, no, <laughs> his girlfriend ed- Emma edited this final bit, and I think Emma did a great job editing. So shout out Emma. It's like a little collage, isn't it, at the end? Yeah. And I like how it kind of comes into the heart, but not too mm. OTT. Like, it's there, just yeah. with the lighting, and yeah, it's What it's did you sweet. actually think and... about the collage? Like, what, like, just when it started going into the collage? Because I don't normally see that in film. No, you don't, but I think because it's only at, like, the end of the film, it works. I think if it was anywhere else, it'd be weird. I think, it, yeah, it'd I be liked it. early, two, like, 2000s, I think, if there was collages throughout the film oh definitely it's i think that this this whole film is a product of its time it is very 2000s uh very very 2003 um we then over the end credits have uh kelly clarkson's the trouble with love is playing um which is a uh, an okay song it's not one of my favorites yeah it's just like There's the thing is I think this film has a great soundtrack. This is one of my least favorites, but I think a lot of the music in this I really like. It's probably something I didn't really notice to be honest. Uh, is that bad? Probably. Pro- but, well, fir- probably. first viewing when but, I literally no. told you we're talking about the end, I think you're fine. <laughs> I know it could have been anywhere in the film, but it had to be the end, so I had to watch the whole film throughout <laughs> to understand what was going on. Yeah, it would have been it would have been interesting to have done this where like I'm just like telling you everyone's stories and just like here we go. Now, now this is this bit. Now this is, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's good that you managed to just have time. That was because I, I was prepared that you might not have had time to see it. Uh, I never pressure guests to watch the film first, but it does help. I think it's just a. I think it's just a very typical British film. Yeah. And I just I don't know I. I think, I it's not. It's not the greatest. It isn't, and I. I think the ending was quite nice, but that was the only thing that I really would remember from it. Yeah, I get that. What what I like is because all the ca- all the stories kind of twist and intermingle with each other. Every time I watch it, I don't know what scene's coming next. I that that it, that's how it works well on rewatch because I know how everyone's story goes, but I don't know that you jump from Sarah and Carl to Daniel to David and Natalie to Daniel and Sam. I, I like that element of it and I think they do tie together fairly well but I also think 
I, I think Christmas is important when watching this film. I think among the... Obviously, you didn't watch this at Christmas. Among the, the Christmasiness... Um, I mean, I, I, I saw Christmas in uh, last year. Last, it's so weird to say last year. I saw Christmas in with this uh, by complete accident. Like, I had it on. I had to pause it a couple of times. And next thing I know, it finished pretty much... It, actually, annoyingly, at two minutes past midnight. It was like, if I'd if it had finished on midnight, that would have been brilliant. Uh, but yeah. Ah, but it was... I, I liked it. I seeing Christmas in with it that that worked. Um, I uh, yeah. So that that to the listeners that is love actually. And I I just want to say because the listeners will not know you're, the dog you've got there is so well behaved. I'm isn't so she, kind of... isn't she? She's she's well behaved. She is. I mean her name. We don't talk about her name. I was ten when I had her. So biscuits. If you if you're wondering. Oh. That's a, that's a fair. Yeah, my, it's not good. My, our, our dog is is Tommy Tumble because I wanted to call him Mr. Tumble because I loved something special. But, oh no, yeah, so I he's hated Tommy that. Tumble. That gave me nightmares. Mr. Really? Tumble, yep. Yeah. That that's, that was the true horror film. I mean, we were talking about horror films before, but that <laughs> was the true horror film. Program. Okay, let's 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 go down this route, and incidentally, the listeners will not know that we talked about horror films because that was cut. But we'll talk about horror. Oh films, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> uh, this is just. But maybe I don't want Christmas actually to end. Maybe this episode will go on infinitely long, uh, with our conversations about horror films. What is? Let, let's go down this route for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, what's the scariest, like the weirdly scary thing that maybe terrified you as a child that is stupid, like um, um, any moment in like a kids' film that just creeps you out. So dolls, dolls are a huge thing. I think they kind of creep everybody out. Yeah, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Um, but then it kind of progressed, like for adult horror films, it kind of progressed to walking on ceilings and like walking. You know, like when they have their hands behind their, I can't explain it, but they crawl uh, really quickly, and it's like edited in a way that kind of looks glitchy. That creeps me out. That oh me up a little bit sorry for swearing <laughs> what what terrified me as a kid for some reason was the ring of fire scene in finding nemo i have no idea why really? i could just never watch it i went to see nemo on ice when i was little and had to leave during that moment <laughs> i came back in but it's like i watch it now and i'm like nope don't get it it's just a group of fish going around going ha hoo wahi ha hoo 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 and that's it <laughs> Uh, but it's. Uh... Can you do that again? Do that again. Yeah, sure. We'll go. We'll go. Ha hoo wahi ha hoo hoo hoo. Yeah. I know Finding Nemo too it. well as well. That's the problem. I love that movie. It's it's my favorite no, I, Disney film. I do like that movie. <laughs> I think Zootropolis is my favorite Disney film. A lot of people say no, Ratatouille, but what can I say? Ra- Zootropolis, I don't. I'm trying to think if I actually. I don't think I've seen Zootropolis. I don't know. I should. I feel like I would know if I have seen it, wouldn't I? It's like a little bunny that goes into the police force, and they're all like, "No, you can't be a bunny." Yeah, I've seen. Oh, I've seen clips. I haven't seen the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I I imagine I'd enjoy it. There's very few Disney films I don't like. Um, <laughs> I mean, you cried good. at Love Rosie, so that's expected. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, but I mean, Love Rosie. You, you say I, that I, as if I it's cried. not like genuinely I, sad. <laughs> I cried at Love Rosie quite a lot. To be fair, it's a film that I consistently cry at whenever I watch it as well the first half hour just left me with like a pit in my stomach from how like just they yes. weren't knowing each other oh <laughs> they were best friends okay no it's just we won't talk about it we'll save this for if we end up doing a love rosie show um 
which I would 100% be down for. Same, 100%. I know the film inside out, so I could talk about it a lot better than I could talk about Love Actually, because I know nothing about Love Actually. <laughs> right, what else do we have to say about Love Actually? That's a good point. Because... Let's, let's, let's wrap it back into the film. <laughs> um, Poor listeners. I, so, overall, it's fun. <laughs> I, I think... I like the ending. Throughout the show, I have been very, very harsh on Love Actually, in a, which surprised me as much as I'm sure it surprised the listeners, because I love Richard Curtis movies. Whereas about time, and, and when you analysing don't, you it, don't stop saying how much yeah. you love Richard Curtis movies. So. Yeah, the, the, the listeners are really glad they're not in a film class with me. Mm-hmm. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I do like no, now how our film bad. teacher is like noting it so much that like if someone references a Richard Curtis film, she's like talk to Luke. Hmm. Like, I'm, I like that. I'm, uh, but yeah, which is Notting Hill. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like speak yeah, to Luke. Notting Hill is a great is a great great movie. It's one of his best. Um, it's not the girl I'd... in the cafe or about time, but it's. I've watched the first fifteen minutes, but I didn't end. I didn't not what like finish it because of any reason. It was just a. I thought you'd given distracted. it a rating on Letterboxd. Was that based on the first 15 minutes? Probably. Probably. Or I've watched it ages ago and I've just forgotten. Who knows? It's There's got an amazing soundtrack. Um, and it's... You say that for every film, though. Yeah. Let's well, be real. For Richard Curtis movies, yes. <laughs> Love, Rosie also has a great soundtrack. And the album doesn't exist. That angered me. Love Rosie's it's... not that big of a film, though, is it really? Yeah, I realised that as well, because I assumed, like, considering the type of film it was, I was like, this must have kind of done fairly well. No, weirdly, I just and stumbled it across didn't... it. I just stumbled across it, and then I found it um, a few a few months later on Netflix, and I just couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> yeah, it, it it deserves to be better known. I realised, mm-hmm. oh, I should, def- we, well, I should definitely call this episode Love Rosie, actually. That's got to be done. Uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, because because each episode title ends with actually because that's cheesy and that's how I go. Um, but it's uh, but yeah, I think to the listeners who haven't seen Love Rosie, I'm gonna say it. I've only seen it the once. Which I is mean, if you're listening to a podcast about Love Actually, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy Love Rosie. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. If you if you like if you like Love Actually, you'll probably like Love Ro- Love Rosie. If you like About Time, you'll definitely like Love Rosie. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I think. Because weirdly, whilst there's no kind of time travel or anything, the the story structure and the style of camera work is there's, there's something really similar, and I can't tell what it is. It is similar, but I just I think the story to it and how they were both best. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, so I'm not going to say anything. But it's just the story. I think, I think, I it, really I like think it. it's fair to say that it's two best friends who like each other but don't know that they don't. No, it's it's fair, about like it? it's it feels wrong to them, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I found. It, it it delves way more into that in the book so far. I'm an, I'm an hour and a bit into the audiobook, yeah. uh, which is about one-tenth of the way through. It delves a lot more into it not feeling right. Because like, I think with the film, kind of instantly in, you know that they have feelings for each other. Like, it's kind of... Yeah. A th- a, you know, you're known straight away. With With the film, you instantly know they like each other. With the book, even, like, during some of the moments, like the pregnancy and things like that like that far into the story she's still toing and froing on whether she likes him yeah and i find that more interesting i remember you messaging me at that point saying this is such a sad film 
And yeah. you were saying that I'm it was glad so bittersweet. It, I'm glad it picked up a little bit because I was just watching it feeling kind of horrible. I was yeah. just like, oh, please don't be this the whole time. And like because it's the two people smiling on the front, I'm glad that that's not the case. It's uh, almost it's, you're just basically watching her fuck up her life, and you just you don't yeah. you're kind of you're sat there watching it, and you're like, okay, this could possibly happen to me, and I hope it doesn't. But also yeah. at the same time, why wouldn't I want this to happen to me? Because it's such a beautiful story. Yeah, because it's like the most wonderful things yes. are happening in her life. But she's so distracted by this kind of underlying sadness, which I don't think she even realizes entirely is because of his absence. And we we get that that emotional. Yeah, bit we realize. I, I like that as the viewers, we realize it before she does. Yes, I think. So. Yeah. Okay. We- but yeah, it's it's not like it's not. Yeah, my final comment is it's not like the secondhand embarrassment you get in like watching Mr. Bean or something like that. It's a secondhand embarrassment where you actually just feel horrible for the people. And I weird that I know that sounds like a weird way to recommend a movie. Like, hey, watch it; it'll make you feel like crap. But uh yeah. It's- no, but it is. It's a. It's a beautiful. Uh, this is the. I'm just gonna put it in this. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful fuck up. Yeah. I'm sorry for swearing, but that is just it as a film. <laughs> so, Ellen, where can our listeners find you on social media? Um, I think the only place you'll be able to find me is Instagram, because that's the only place I'm on. <laughs> I think I need to start getting Twitter. I think I need Twitter, maybe. Twi- Twitter, I love Twitter. It's my favourite. <laughs> yeah, no, you tweet quite a lot, I think. You, yeah. didn't you, I um... know, like, of, of, our, of our generation, I don't think that many people are Twitter users, but I love it. I, I definitely need to get onto it but um it's just ellen asprey ellen dot asprey sorry <laughs> yeah and uh the listeners can find me on twitter at the strange twitter handle that i created when i was 12 llama at something llama underscore there it is zero. yeah <laughs> uh, they can find me on instagram at the ginger luke on facebook at luke allen film all podcasts radio appearances newspaper articles short films anything i'm remotely involved in is over at lukeallen.co.uk this Whoa. show is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Christmas Act Pod. They can also find us on IMDb. He's still going. You can tell I've done this a lot. Um, He's still going. And I forgot to plug something rather important. They can buy our merch. I don't know why I forgot this. Our merch is available on lemmingdrops.com, the site that our producer has. Go buy it. Um, you can get the standard Christmas Act. I, have to, I don't own any of them, annoyingly. I need to buy some. You can get the standard Christmas Actually t-shirt, or you can get the I Hate Uncle Jamie t-shirt. Uh, which is uh, I don't know in your one time viewing whether you remember that one line in the film but it's uh, it's when, it's when <laughs> I don't, Colin I don't Firth really enters... remember it but I yeah. kind of do well, Colin, Colin Firth enters the house with his, with the bags to go on the trip to like for Christmas and they come and all the kids are like oh Uncle Jamie and then he's like actually I've got to go and he, when he goes to chase after Aurelia and the three <laughs> kids just shout I hate Uncle Jamie I hate Uncle Jamie and for some reason that, that's the only that thing that's like stuck with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like all the rest of the film, all the main subplots. Nope, you can buy the I hate Uncle Jamie T-shirts. Um, <laughs> I think it's not as bad as the in jokes we had on uh, Two Minutes About Time. I'm wearing one of them at the moment, which is Graham Curry, who was one extra in one scene of About Time that we became obsessed with. So. <laughs> in fact, massive shout out to Graham Curry because a couple of days ago, at time of recording, his child was born. So, Aww. huge congratulations. I'm wearing his shirt in honour today. And obviously a shout out to Richard Curtis. And yeah, so thanks to the listeners for listening to this. I normally end each episode by saying we'll be back on a day, but we won't. We're done. Finished. Um, Finally. I'm joking. Yeah, I guess they can <laughs> check out everything my co-host Lara did. It's a shame she wasn't able to join us today, but yeah, 2021 
brings many scheduling issues uh they can find her instagram and her facebook and i will ed- add that all in the edit because i don't know her plugs off the top of my head hmm. i should okay so lara is on instagram at lara collier underscore official you've got her youtube channel lara collier there are two music videos that she did over on my youtube channel bottle o productions that's moving on and the happy song her songs on itunes i know that because i helped to get it on there but there we go um, oh, she moving on on itunes and spotify and all of that stuff it's a brilliant song Ooh, uh, i cool. think i think that's everything i feel like i'm just delaying ending I, because no, i feel like i don't want to finish like, the show i feel like it's just plugging to me because i'm getting see she's a singer yeah yeah that's she's um cool. she's someone i went to secondary with and she's like incredible at music uh, i'm going to give a very brief read through and thanks to everyone who has been involved in this show it's only been 14 episodes, so it's not as many as the other ones. Um, myself and Lara, obviously, and Ellen, who's here right now. Uh, we then got Beth Amon, Rory Aylward, Nicholas J. Barlow, Emmy Bashforth, Robert E.G. Black, who as well as guesting on the show, is our exec producer. So shout out, Robert. Thanks so much for doing this and distributing the show for us. Uh, Sarah Black, uh, James Corcoran, Patrick Flynn, Annabelle Fuller, Kelly Hansen, Shake Hebekian, Susan Hill, Andy Kind, Alice Lauren, Brian Lockhart, James Lyon, uh, Major Medina, Eddie O'Keefe, Ethan O'Mahony, who as well as guesting did our theme tune for us. So thanks, Ethan, cool. for your brilliant cover of God Only Knows for the theme tune of this show. <laughs> Reese Ord, Gareth Owain, David Thomas, uh, Katie Proctor, Callum Reed, Ollie Ryder, and Alex Wilde. There we go. Thanks so much to all of them people. It's been a heck of a journey. It's been harder to do as life is moving back to normal. But to all the listeners, thanks so much for for sticking with the journey. Thanks, Ellen, for stepping in on this. I mean, thanks for listening to uh, me speak awkwardly about not knowing anything about love, actually, apparently. (laughs) Any final words to our listeners? Because I have no bloody idea what to say. Um, uh, (laughs) Thank you for listening to us, awkwardly speaking. (laughs) I'm joking thanks so much (laughs) yeah it's been good fun who said that thanks for having me on the show who said that the Christmas Actually theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of God Only Knows by the Beach Boys Christmas Actually is a production of Bottle O Productions and is distributed by Lemon Drops Studio for more podcasts and blogs visit lemondrops.com New from Lemming Drop Studio. Five Minute Arrival. The podcast where we look at the film Arrival five minutes at a time. I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. I like movies and connecting them to each other. I love films where my brain is just lost in theory or philosophy. I will inevitably reference other films. I will inevitably reference some philosophy and calm theory. Any questions? Where do you want? Where are you from? Why are you here? This is the priority. I used to think. This was the beginning.